What I want women to get to is that this is what I want and I'm not going to feel bad about it. I'm not going to feel shameful about it. Yeah, I want to be dominated and I'm going to have so much pleasure after this and I'm not going to let myself wake up in the morning and have trauma, have regret, have a shame over. When I was growing up, I was always told that I was too much to handle. I was too loud, too opinionated, too demanding, just plain too much. Now, as an adult, I celebrate these qualities within myself and within the women I know. This is a call to action. This is a space to own your too muchness. This is too much to handle. I'm Hannah Cranston, the host of Too Much to Handle, where we talk about the amazing, the raw, the ugly, the painfully funny, and just plain real truth behind being a woman in your 20s and 30s. These are the conversations you're already having behind closed doors about everything from sex and dating, career pros and woes, to body issues. And we're just airing them. They might be too much to handle, but that's what we like. And today I'm going to be way too much with Emily Morse, who is a doctor of human sexuality, a sex and relationship expert, the host of the Sex with Emily podcast, and my friend. Hi, Emily. Hi, Hannah. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Well, I'm so happy you got a podcast because it just makes so much sense. You give such good podcasts. Thank you. Really, you're so talented. I'm so happy for you. Emily, could we just spend the next like 45 minutes you building me up? It's a love fest. I really adore you and think you're so smart. And this is just makes so much sense for your next step. I adore you too. And I was telling somebody the other day, I think you're, I mean, I think you're amazing. And I think the content that you create is amazing, but I love that you're like such a, you're such a girl's girl and you're very into like women supporting women. Absolutely. And I love women who are like that. Uh, (laughs) But we have a really big question that we are tackling today. Okay. So the question is, is if you like being dominated in bed, you know, if you like being submissive during sex, can you still be a feminist? But first, because that's a big question, <laughs> before we get into that, uh, I just want to remind everybody to subscribe to this podcast, rate and review. I want to give a few shout outs to people who have reviewed already. Uh, shout out to Noro Doro, Maya Levy, Gumster, and I'm going to totally mess this up, but it's Geox34567897536. So uh, be sure to do that. And also please share screenshots of you listening or subscribing to the podcast because I've been reposting a lot of those on my Instagram and I love to hear your mid pod thoughts. All right, let's do a quick wrap up on our lives and the world and all that's been going on in the segment that I'm calling the debrief. So Emily, I was going to actually tell you about a story, but we're just going to completely ignore that because this morning I decided to do some research before today's podcast and I started asking my friends about their sex lives, which is not something, I mean, you know me (laughs) offline. I'm a very private person. (laughs) I don't like to get into that. So this is the first time that I was asking my friends about their sex lives. And I was like, oh, this must be what Emily deals with every day. (laughs) Every single day. Yeah. I think that's good though. It was so, my mind was a blow. I love this. Because I was like, some of them were were surprised me. They're like, "Oh, I'm super into bondage," and I like had no idea. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's good to talk about it as women. I think that that's where we really learn not only for, about our friends, which brings us closer and enhances our intimacy with our friendships, but we realize that like we get, we get ideas. Mm-hmm. We realize that it's okay that some things we want, like, oh, it's normal. My friend's doing it, or we realize what's on the menu. Yeah, what's an option? Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. The, my, one of my friends said something which we'll we'll kind of get into a little bit later about a lot of guys who uh, like to be super submissive. Mm -hmm. And I have yet to see this in the wild. (laughs) But she was like, oh, yeah, no, some guys are super into that. Yeah, it's true. Just lots of men would like to be submissive, but we just don't, we don't hear about it as much. So interesting. Yes. 
Uh, okay. So that's what all I wanted to share because okay. I was like texting well, all my friends at like 8 a.m. this morning being like, hey, by the way, do you like to be like choked or spanked? And my friends are like, good morning to you too. <laughs> are you going to tell me what you found out or okay, is that just for so your own research? Found, like, I'm no, dying I just, like, to yeah. know. I just found out like some friends, at first I started with easy, like do you like to be top or bottom, you know? And there right. was a mix and I could kind of like- Wait, the sex position top or bottom yes. or be dominant or submissive? Oh, I was just talking about the sex position. Okay, no, that makes bottom. sense. Okay. Yeah. And there were some friends who were like only top and some friends who were only bottom. And then there were some friends who were like, I like to mix it up. And I was okay. Like, okay. And then we got into a little bit more and I had some friends who were like super, super into bondage. And then some friends who were like, no, like don't even touch my neck. Okay. And I thought that was so interesting. And a lot of their reasoning really surprised me too, because some were kind of what we'll get into today about, it was about controls, about power. And then some of them, they were like, no, nah, I just, I'm not trying to work out during sex. I just want to enjoy. <laughs> right, right, I don't right. want to be on top. Like that's too much of physical exertion exactly. for me. And it was just really, really interesting to hear from my friends. We, I never talk about this stuff with them. Like they know maybe like one or two things about like my sex life. I, well, I have really, a question. Why yeah. do you think that is that you don't talk to your friends about it? Um, I think it's because I probably grew up like uh, with shame around right. sex. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this might, this think this is a really great step, even for your friendships. If you continue yeah. to have these conversations, I think that, yeah, I think you'll, you'll learn. I think it'll help so much, especially by talking about it now. I think for your listeners too, they're going to realize that they are holding on to shame too or yeah. fear. And I think the more we talk to our friends about it, in fact, there was a, a study that came out a few weeks ago that said that women who talk to their friends about sex more often and have healthier conversations actually have better sex, more confidence in the bedroom. Oh, I believe that. So yeah, yeah. it's like breaking down those walls. And so I always tell women, be that friend. And I tell men too, be that guy in your group who brings it up. Because you realize people actually want to talk about it. And I think we need to talk about it more. Yeah, I think you're so right. I'm glad. What a big day for you. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yay. I'm just accomplishing <laughs> so much. Um, but I think that's a really good point. And so I think we can just kind of jump in and Let's start talking it. about it. So okay. this is a segment I'm calling Too Much to Handle. And the question, just a reminder that we are answering today, is if you like being dominated in bed, if you like being submissive during sex, can you still be a feminist? And as always, I'd like to put a little disclaimer. This is a very heteronormative conversation. We're going to have lots of intersectional conversations on this podcast, but for the purposes of this specific conversation, it's very heteronormative. So I guess we'll just jump right in. Like, <laughs> yeah. why do some women find being dominated hot? And I, I mean, I define being dominated. I think it can mean anything from like being on the bottom, being pinned down by a guy, just like his hands and being moved around by him to like light spanking and choking to full on like verbal degradation, verbal degradation and BDSM. Would you right. agree with that definition? Yeah, I think that, well, no, I would think the umbrella term of being dominated is, is, can be everything. It can mm -hmm. be BDSM. It can just be your partner pushing you down on the bed. So I think it could be, is that kind of, it could yeah, be a little yeah. bit of everything. Yeah. yeah full spectrum. There's a there's spectrum. There's a full spectrum underneath domination. Domination yeah. could just be like, take your clothes off and that's it. You know, or it could be full on choking and bondage and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, there are a lot of women who do like to be dominated. And according to the Journal of Sexual Medicine, they asked more than 1,500 college students to rank 55 sexual fantasies. And 64.6% .6 of women had fantasized about being dominated sexually. 53.3% uh, of men had, which is interesting. Um, and they defined, you know, being dominated as being spanked or whipped, mm -hmm. being tied up, being forced to have sex, which we'll get into. Mm -hmm. um, that was about 30 to 60%. And, you know, this fantasy of being dominated was significantly greater for women than for men on average, whereas the fantasy of dominating was st statistically stronger for men than for women on average. So I'd love to hear just from you yeah. why you think women like being dominated. Okay. It's such a good question because I think that, yes, it is one of the top fantasies for women is to be dominated like across the board. And I think it's because there's a few reasons. There's a lot of women who are 
in control, their bosses in their everyday life, you know, they're powerful, strong women. And then when they get in the bedroom, they're like, I want to relinquish control. I want to be ravished. I want, you know, my heart to be ravished, my body to be ravished. I want to be taken in this way where I can just give up control Mm -hmm. in that moment. So I think that there's a lot of that switching. So, so typically it can be a lot, but I think that women across the board, I think it first, so the first point is that women have this desire to be taken so intensely by a man or by their partner that they feel like he can't even control himself because he finds her so beautiful and and so intoxicating that he just has to have her. And Mm. to feel that like desire from a man to Mm -hmm. want to be ravished by a man that he wants me so badly is really exciting. Yeah. You know, and that base level. Like, and that kind of goes into the, I'm just going to say it here, the quote, air quote, rape fantasy, which mm-hmm. is very confusing for some women. Like, but I don't want to be raped. But that it kind of goes to that. It means like that forced sex you were talking about. Yeah. There's a certain like, you're just taken. We have to give it up because you want me so badly. And women, we just love to feel adored and cherished yeah. and sexually ravaged. Yeah, so, I, I think that's really interesting. And I think like what you mentioned kind of, kind of before is relinquishing that control. I think yeah. for a lot of women who are, you know, quote unquote alpha, uh-huh. do like that. Uh, being able to sort of give some of that up and be a little bit more submissive in the bedroom because it's almost like escapism. It is. You have like this completely different life that you can embody, right? you know, within the, within the bedroom. Cause we are, we're constantly as women, we're constantly, constantly controlling like the things we eat, how we dress, how we are at work, what we say. And it's somewhat of a, of a relief to relinquish some of that control for a short period of time. It's Just true. For a short period a of short time. A short period of time. No, you're right. And I'm so in my album. I think I, I do. I'm very much in my masculine in so many things. Mm. I run a business. Mm-hmm. I, I've always been like kind of this go-getter, tough, independent woman. And so I think, yeah, for me and for I think a lot of women sexually, it feels good to kind of be, you know, give away some of that power or not to be the one who's totally control in the bedroom. But I also want to say mm. the flip side of domination, domination submission is that we actually are still in control. So that's the flip side of it is that, yes, in a way I am, you know, someone's dominating me, but the the submissive, if you're doing it right, we still have the control. So whether it's by having a safe word, having Mm. really good communication with our partner, not just being dominated by a rando person you meet on the street, but somebody that you truly like respect and feel safe with and you've built boundaries. So in a way I get to say like, I'm in control because I'm deciding that I want to be submissive. These are the things that want to happen. And I also know I can get out of it if it doesn't feel right. I can right. have a safe word. I can say, slow down. So we're, we're out of control, but we're still in control. I had a friend this morning who told me that she, she preferred to be on the bottom. And she said she felt like that almost made her more powerful and more control because she was essentially saying, no, this is how I like it. So this is where I'm going to be. And I thought that was a really interesting take about having that control and the power. Because I think like there are, like you said, a lot of powerful women who then are choosing that and that can almost feel powerful in itself. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think not to get like too specific about right. my life, but I think for me, it's a, like, I think so much and I'm constantly thinking. And I think having a moment where I don't have the right. burden of responsibility feels really nice. Like I don't have to make the decisions exactly. and be thinking about that kind of stuff. Yeah. I can just relinquish some I'm the of same that. Way. I get it. Relinquishing it in the bedroom and everywhere. Like I realized when I get out of work, to be honest, I'm like to my boyfriend, I'll be like, you plan the dinner, plan where we're going. Well, actually, I need to plan that. He's not great at picking restaurants, but, <laughs> but 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 that's another thing. But really, like, I don't, I kind of like, I feel like work is, I'm so in it. And then otherwise, I'm like, I really, I'm open. I'm more free. Do you decide all the things? I think And men, that feels good to me. Yeah, of course. Because I've chosen that. Yeah. And I think men are sometimes surprised by that because yeah. they're like, oh, wait, you are so, like, such a boss and so controlling and so this and, like, every aspect. And so I think sometimes, like, when I've dated, dated people who knew my online persona and didn't know my 
like actual persona. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I think they were really surprised that I was a lot more just submissive in general. Right. You know, a lot quieter behind closed doors and, uh, you know, a little more docile than yeah. no, how I am. Absolutely. My to boyfriend, the rest of the world. Exactly. And I think that makes so much sense. My boyfriend's always like, oh, you just want hugs. You're just a little girl. Like, you just want my arms, your arms around me. Like, you're this big, strong one. I'm like, yes. Just, I love these big and his arms around me. I'll just fall into them because I just need, you know, it's kind yeah. of, it's a really good balance, I think. It's a way to like nurture and figure out, nurture myself and figure out what I want. It sounds like you do the same thing. So it works together. Because I think if we're always one way, we're walking around and we're always dominant, I think that it's the polarity. We kind of need both in our mm, life. Yeah. No, I think you're really right. I want to get into like why we think this is hot though. Like what okay. about it turns us on? Because I think part of it is that's what we've been shown as hot. Oh, interesting. Like, right? Like, like if you porn. think about, yeah. If you think about porn, if you think about pop culture, there are so few representations of women being dominant. And when they are dominant, it's like hardcore BDSM. Right. She's got a whip. She's wearing a mask, like all of this stuff. Yeah. And so we don't really see just normal vanilla dominance of women being on top or something like that. So oftentimes the images that we see are of women being dominated. And I think if we see something over and over again, that becomes part of our belief system. And that's like, oh, well, that's that's hot because that's what I've seen. Hmm. And that's like normalized as the sexual experience. Exactly. Well, I also think that there's a lot of people who, um, you know, how your your generation who were born certain or millennials, let's say, let's say millennials, mm-hmm. and that's the first sex you might have seen was porn. Yeah, right. So yeah, it was that's like the first on sex phone. I saw. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and so and that's really interesting because so much and that's probably that could be true for that, like for for many for many women. Yeah, that if that's how you and this is my concern with porn also mm-hmm. is that if that is the first time you see sex and the only sex you see, it can be really confusing because I have heard this from a lot of people who say that you know for men who are saying I'm sleeping with women and it feels like they're just acting like what they saw in porn, like what they're doing mm. and what they're how they're moaning and how they're moving isn't congruent to maybe what I'm actually doing to them or what they're feeling. So yeah. I do think for me, I would love those 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 women who haven't decided on their own because so maybe they are thinking like, I'm going to be, he tried to choke me because I think choking is a great example. Yeah. Because, you know, I've been doing this show for like 14 years and choking never came up or squirting. But, but choking was like, people still choke, but now I think that's like a main porn thing you see now. So mm-hmm. everyone's like choking with when people haven't even consented to it and aren't sure if they like it. So there might be a certain percentage of women and men who are going along with things that they saw in porn without deciding on their own what actually is hot to them. Right. I think you're right. And I think that part of that is women so badly want to find pleasure in sex because that's not, I mean, you're doing a really great job with your show to normalize that, but that's not, you know, your what you're learning every day. Like female sexuality is not as normalized. It's not as pedestrian as male sexuality, even, you know, whether it be touching yourself or find, figuring out what you enjoy during sex. And so I think they so badly want to feel that pleasure and want to enjoy what's going on. Mm -hmm. And so if they can replicate something where they saw a woman, quote unquote, being pleasured, I mean, we all know that porn is not reality and none of those positions look pleasurable if you ask me. Um, But they so badly want to do that. So I wonder if part of that is wanting to feel the enjoyment yeah. in sex. I think, I, yeah, no, absolutely. I think they don't know where else to go. So that my concern with porn is that when it is as sex education, and it mm-hmm. is for a lot mm-hmm. of people, that's the first thing that they see that it, to, to emphasize that it's b- porn. Most of the porn that we see is created by men for men, right. what men think is hot. And, and so, so for women, we're like, it, that's my concern with it is that they're thinking I need to do all these things that were hot on this for this movie that's fiction. Yeah. And that's not actually my reality. So what I love and what I talk about on my show, my mission is to help women and men, you know, my audience is 50-50, but if we're talking about women now, that women on their own, they take that time to really figure out what is hot to me? Because mm-hmm. it's for some women, they know, like they start having fantasies at a young age and they they just know. But for many women, it's like you have to do the work, just like figuring out what you want to major in in college, what kind of mm-hmm. food you like, like what is your sexual fantasies? And that can come by what scenes authentically, let's say, spoke to you in porn? Or are you, you know, when, you know, get taking time to masturbate and figure out what feels good in your body? Like women just some women, a lot of women don't have orgasms on their own. So we have erogenous zones we've never discovered. So doing that work, and maybe it's reading erotica or watching porn by Erica Lust. She makes a lot of female 
friendly porn from the female gaze. Mm -hmm. She makes it so it's like, it's really erotic. There's more plots. There's more teasing. There's more playfulness that Mm -hmm. I think. So I think women sometimes have to do some research to figure out, find those little things that stick with them and go, oh, that's hot, that's hot. And they build their own idea of what, yeah, their sex life should be and what turns them on. And I think women now more than ever are trying to do that, right? According to Pornhub Insights, uh, porn for women was the top trending search term for 2017. So at least they're trying to find that. But interestingly enough, in the top 10 most searched for terms by women in 2017, rough sex and gangbang were also terms. And I think like, I mean, do do you, boo. But I think a lot of women who maybe fantasize about a gangbang wouldn't necessarily want that in real life right. either. And I think even in, in any porn that you're watching, women are oftentimes portrayed as like grimacing or crying out. And that's kind of how they display some of their quote unquote pleasure. Mm-hmm. And I think what that tells women is that that's how implicitly you should too. Right. And so I think we, as, as a generation, you were kind of talking about yeah. millennials, like we often believe that sex is violent and violence is sex. Cause like, that's what we've seen oh, yeah. in, in mainstream media. So whether that's depictions of glamorized rape, I mean, you think about law and order SVUs, mm-hmm. there's an entire show about it. Um, or even romanticized rape, like game of Thrones, Daenerys and Caldrogo, like it begins with marital rape. And mm-hmm. then the romance blossoms from that. Uh, the twilight series for teens, like Edward literally breaks into Bella's room And then eventually later in the series, she's willing to undergo all of this pain to have intercourse with him. Um, Carrie Bradshaw in Sex and the City. She just enjoys that like jackrabbit sex, that scene. I remember seeing that. And, and thinking as a, as a young woman who was, you know, starting to, I watched it later in life (laughs) because it came out when I was really young, but thinking like, oh, sometimes you just need to like grit your teeth and bear it, which is just such a gross- It is gross. Guys don't do that. They're not like, I'm just going to go into this and just bear it. No. And that's why we're changing the game now. I love that we're having this conversation on your podcast. So women realize that like, you're not too much to handle. Like you actually, (laughs) you know, like you figure out what you love and then go after it sexually. So I think the the other good message that- Your partners, men, they're, they're, let's say if you're with a man, whoever you're with, they want to please you. They want to know so badly what authentically gets Mm -hmm. you going and what turns you on. So again, the more we know what that really is, 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 is going to be so helpful for both parties to have amazing sex. Yeah. But going, I want to go back to the thing about the gangbang and the violence. I guess I wouldn't depict that as violent. I guess it is, it can be violent. Yeah. Yeah. So I just think of it as like, to go back to the gangbang, that is a very common fantasy for women. But here's what it's about. And again, there's two kinds of fantasies. There's the ones that just really get us off when we're masturbating. Mm-hmm, we don't mm-hmm. actually want to happen. And then there's the ones, oh, yeah, I want a gangbang. But here's the thing about the gangbang. It's the same thing as the being it's being dominated. It's that feeling that women have that I want to be. It's like the romance novels. I want to be swept off my feet. I want to be taken, Fifty Shades of Grey, mm-hmm. by a man who just, he can't, he has to pin me down. He has to tie me up. He his love, his rage in love, it's so closely related. Desire is so intense. And I'm, because women, we want to feel desired and beautiful. So that's, an, if, if so if there's 10 men in a gangbang mm-hmm. who all want me, then that's even more satisfying for a lot of women. So, and again, that, to me, that's empowering. It, I don't see it as violent as much as I see it as women getting, if, it, if this is the way that women can perceive it, if you're thinking that and you're not feeling guilt and shame around it, if it authentically turned you on, there's a difference here, not because you think you should be, but you feel it, then that can be, it's very much part of the feminine. It's a very common feminine fantasy. So then let's get into some of that, other what you were talking about before, the rape fantasy, right? So taking it the next step, because I think there are a lot of women who have rape fantasies. And I think part of that is what you're talking about, right? Like that feeling of a man physically cannot control himself because right. he's so attracted to you or whatever it may be. But I think another component of that and not to like bring it down a notch, but I think it is like our rape culture and rape rampancy, right? So if one in five women are going to be raped in their lifetime and 30% of those women who have been raped were between the ages of 11 and 17, like a lot of women's first experience with sex is rape. And so you normalize that as part of the experience, as part of the sexual 
experience, yeah. right? Uh-huh, and I think uh-huh. that a lot of that is, you know, so formative with uh, about how you think about sex, right? Yeah, I mean, that's one in five women who have experienced some kind of trauma. So I'm trying to think, okay, so there's two things here. There's that, there is that. And so I think that women who have had, let's say it's not even rape, but they've had some kind of trauma. Let's right. say they've had sexual assault or they've had- you One know. in four girls are sexually abused before yes. they're 18. Okay. So that'll, yeah. So there's ways that they might desire that still, but then they have this huge shame around mm-hmm. it because, mm-hmm. and it's literally re-traumatizing. Although there is a lot of healthy work that women can do to eroticize trauma in a way that's healthy. Now that mm. takes some work. If you have had serious trauma, any trauma, you should go to therapy because if you have sexual trauma, it only increases over time, its weight over you. So getting into therapy and figuring out, you know, releasing it, doing some EMDR therapy or some kind of training some kind of therapy that you really get into it, it can be okay to eroticize. It's actually a healthy way to express it for some women. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, that might be it. But then there's a lot of women who haven't been raped that still want to be taken. So here's Mm -hmm. the other flip side of that. It's the desirous part, like, oh my God, this person wants me so badly they can't help it. Here's the other part of why we want so many men to dominate is because women are socialized and brought up that it's wrong to ask for sex, that we should feel like we are just really innocent, we're mm-hmm. virginal, and that asking for sex makes us makes us feel slutty, in quotes, makes us yeah. feel that we're too we're too out there for a man. Too much we, to handle. Too much to handle. Ah, Thank you. It ah. all comes back. Great name, by the way. So, but I think that that's what it is. So we feel like, well, if he's doing it to me and I'm not asking for it, then it's permissive. So that's the, that's the other side of it is that it's, um, we just feel like we're too much and that, that, that men will look down on us if we ask for it. And so this is a way of getting what we truly want without having to ask for it because then we're going to- I think you're right. I think you're, I think you're onto something. So given that, are we victims of a society that indoctrinates women, that they must be submissive and you can't ask for it? Or are we victors in that we've, you know, reclaimed our own- sexuality. Because something that I, I, I keep coming up with time and time again on this podcast thus far is it's really hard to parse out whether we are making our own choices or if we even have a choice if we're in a patriarchal society, right? Mm-hmm. We're make, we're not, we don't make choices in a vacuum, right? Right, right? So we've seen these images. We've had these experiences. Like, are these our own choices if we're making them yeah. in a society that does it really allow it us to make- No, I get what you're saying. So, but, but sexually is that women, women who take control over their own sex life and they decide like they truly from a real place. So they're doing work on it. They're mm-hmm. actually listening to this podcast and mm-hmm. then they're going, huh, does that really turn me on to be choked? Is that really my fantasy? And they're questioning it. And then they're really getting into what genuinely truly turns them on. Then I say, no, I say women are not victims. In fact, women's are heroes here. If they're like, what I want women to get to is that this is what I want and I'm not going to feel bad about it. I'm not going to feel shameful about it. Yeah, I want to be dominated and I'm going to have so much pleasure after this and I'm not going to let myself wake up in the morning and have trauma, have regret, have a shame over or whatever right, women have right. after sex like that. So I, I do believe that you can be, abs- I think it is really a feministic trait. You are a feminist if you are in control, you understand, you're asking for what you want, you're having healthy communication, and you're asking for the sex that you want and need because it comes from a genuine, authentic place where you did the work and asked for it. Yeah. So yeah, I think you can have both. Absolutely. All right, you guys, real quick, I want to tell you about one of my favorite companies. They're called Lola. Lola offers a line of organic cotton tampons, pads, liners, and all natural cleansing for your time of the month. I am obsessed with their products because one, they're delivered right to my door, which is amazing in this cute, discreet box because nobody wants to carry around that brightly colored giant box around CVS. Plus, they offer BPA-free tampon applicators that leave me worry-free about what I'm putting in my body. Now, major brands use a mix of synthetic ingredients in their products, including rayon and polyester. Their feminine care products may also be treated with harsh chemical cleansing agents, fragrance, and dyes. Now, Lola products are 100% organic cotton with no added chemicals, fragrances, synthetics, or dyes that you're putting up in your lady business. One of the coolest parts about Lola is that it's founded by women for women, and you know I'm all about that. 
Plus, you are able to do good with your purchase because for every purchase, they donate feminine care products to homeless shelters across the U.S., which we all know is so crucial. So if you want to do good and do your body good, get Lola. For 40% off all subscriptions, visit mylola.com and enter too much when you subscribe. Get it and make your time of the month that much easier. Chocolate sold separately. It's so tough to figure out authentically what you find is pleasurable, right? Because we've been so enculturated to be think that we're going to be uncomfortable most of the time and ignore that discomfort because we're told sex is supposed to be painful. We're told that the first time is going to be awful and you're going to be in so much pain. You're going to bleed and just, you know, grit and bear it again. And maybe if it feels that way, the sex time, the next time, yeah. <laughs> sex time, uh, the next time, it's always sex time. <laughs> uh, the next time then, you know, we, you just got to get adjusted to it and you just got to. And so we do start to think of, you know, sort of correlate sex with pain, you know, and so many oh, women already have pain. There was this um, study from the Center for Sexual Health Promotion at Indiana University that they completed one of, and they completed one of the largest nationally representative surveys of the U.S. population back in 2010. And they found that about 30% of women ages 18 to 59 reported some difficulty with pain the last time they had sex. Now, mm. I think a lot of that can come from women who have chronic genital pain, which I think is something that we need to address mm -hmm. in our medical community. But a lot of them reported not saying no or feeling like they should like sex play that their partner enjoyed, but they themselves did not. And I think part of that comes from women being people pleasers, right? Mm -hmm. Like we will want to please our man even at the cost of our own well-being. And I, like I personally am somebody who likes to feel not in control, um, during a sexual experience. Um, but I had a partner who really got off on making, um, physical marks on my skin, breaking the skin, etc. uh, during a sexual experience. And it, it hurt and I didn't enjoy it and okay. I didn't like it. Right. Um, I was not into it, but I was really scared to tell him at first because, like we're taught like, you liked oh, him. Yeah, yeah, I liked him. I li and we're taught like, you're not supposed to like shame men because it's going to emasculate them. Right. And that's going to cause them to have like erectile dysfunction. Right. And you can't bring those things up because you know, you want a guy to feel like really manly in the bedroom and uh, all of this stuff. So true. And then when I finally did say something, I was saying, Hey, like this hurt me. And the re the only thing that I could think of to say that wouldn't make him feel self-conscious as I was like, Hey, like it's summertime. And like, mm -hmm. I'm in a bathing suit around my parents. And like, there are these like giant scratch marks and like bruises on me. Can you, can you stop? Uh, and he basically told me tough luck, which I, I think is, is what a lot of women yeah. fear is that rejection is that dismissal for our own, um, right. Well being. So I think that comes from, um, people like, I think pleasing. that fear is like very legitimate and yeah. we do want to, we do want to please people. I love that. Right. And so what I think is that, so your experience is so reminiscent of so many women that we are pleasers, mm -hmm. that we really are taught that sex is for men. I was taught it was it's about the male pleasure. Mm -hmm. You always got to give him a blowjob. You always got to fit, you do what he wants. It's more about their pleasure. And that somehow, which is the part I never loop, I didn't understand, but didn't know I didn't understand was that like, well, what about my pleasure? Like, as long mm. as he's happy, that's successful. And I still hear from that women all the time. They're like, well, he gets off and I'm glad that he's happy. So, because that's just how we were raised. So, so I, so being a feminist, I would like to say for a lot of women listening, or however yeah. you want to call it, that that's okay for your partner to want a pleasure as long as you also decide that your pleasure is important too. So this is where yeah. a negotiation would happen with a partner. Mm -hmm. Like you could say, I know that you like biting and scratching me. That doesn't, that doesn't turn me on as much. Like, is there, like, what could we do that would still get him? It's like a negotiation. And what what could be as satisfying for him? Like, maybe he, there's a part of you that liked a little bit of scratch, like scratch the bottom of my foot or not, but that would hurt. Scratch wherever. Or maybe it's never scratching, but it's talking about scratching or it's yeah. talking about the time he scratched. I don't, there's ways to work with fantasies, two couples, two, two people to work together so it works for them. But to not, and I think a lot of women have the experience you had where like, I'm just going to grin and bear it. Yeah. So I just, that's what I would like to say for women. Like, don't do that anymore. Please stop and ask for what you, ask for what you want. And the other thing that, 
that you were saying about pain is that that study from Indiana University is true, is so real that 30% had it in the last week or month, and that the other study they did was 80% of women have experienced pain at some point in their lifetime. Yeah. And if those women, majority of them don't ever say anything about it and they normalize it. Yeah. So what women do also, not only do we please, we just tend to normalize pain. We tend to normalize the fact that sex can hurt, that we don't have orgasms, mm-hmm. that we don't even have pleasure like you did with right. the scratching. Mm-hmm. Um, because we just, we think, well, how would we know? I haven't talked to my friends. Maybe sex is painful. I yeah. was told that it was. And we just kind of make sense of it. And so having more discussions around sex, which is why I was saying how great you're talking to your friends about it, is that, because then we realize like what is normal, what isn't, and what actually works for us. And I think I think you're right. And I think sometimes because we do normalize pain as part of sex, that uh, there's probably a cohort of women who then try to find that pleasure in the pain. You know, yeah, try yeah. to seek that out and figure out how they can enjoy that aspect because I think women inherently want to enjoy right. And sex. the pain that they're having isn't even from like the BDSM or dominance. It's like yeah, they yeah. can have cervical pain. Right. Like I know like there's certain times a month, which I never knew why this was happening, but it's like when I'm ovulating, if I have sex, and there's just one day of every month, if I happen to have sex at this particular hour, I have this excruciating cramps and I can't, like I literally like, I, one time I had to go to the hospital. It was like 10 oh, years wow. ago. And now I'm just like, okay, I can feel it. And it's like this pain lasts for 15 minutes. And but I just accept it. You know, now I know why it is when it's happening. And for some women, they just can't even have anything inside of them. So I'm just that there's there's these pains that women have that are just again normalized and talk to your doctor, you go to pelvic floor specialist. Mm-hmm, there's mm-hmm. a lot of ways that women can learn to transcend this pain, not have the pain anymore. Yes. Yes. No, I think you're right. And then for women who do enjoy the pain, um, I I I still, of course, I think that you can be a feminist. I think you can be, (laughs) if you believe in the equality of uh, the sexes, you are a feminist. Like it's, it's super simple, but I think a lot of women have trouble reconciling that. Um, And I think a lot of older generation feminists uh, don't think that's necessarily the case, right? They believe that Mm. a surrender in the bedroom is equivalent to a surrender outside of the bedroom. Mm. And I don't think that, I think saying that puts the onus back on women, right? Like we've already, we have enough work to do to (laughs) like fix it. Uh, Let's not also deprive ourselves of something that we really enjoy and and pleasure that we want just because we're worried that that somehow perpetuates the the patriarchy, right? right? If we're doing it with ongoing consent, using safe words and constantly talking about it and saying, you know what? I thought I was going to like when you pulled my hair, but I actually didn't, but mm. maybe I like the spanking more. I mean, you can honestly keep talking about sex and the more you do that and the more you take control of it with your partner, then everyone's going to be satisfied. So I think, again, consent, safe words, being mindful, deciding that both of your pleasure is important is like the most feminist, open, honest thing I could think about. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. And I like logically understand why people feel that it's not right. Like we fought so hard for like sexual liberation (laughs) in the sixties and seventies and, and we are forever grateful for those women. So I understand why they struggle with the fact of like us sometimes being literally restrained seems (laughs) like a regression. Um, but I think, you know, that there's room to be a feminist within that and to have that be a liberation itself. And I think it's similar to the housewife complex, right? Like, yes, we have broken free from the cult of domesticity, but we've also established that we can use that liberated agency to then choose to be a stay-at-home mom or a homemaker. And that doesn't make us any less of a feminist either. And so I think there there are parallels there. Yeah. As long as you're not walking around with like guilt and shame around, if you decide like, I'm okay staying home, I can't wait to be a mom and take care of the household and that's your choice. Yeah. Right. You yeah. Know, then you're you're living the life you want to live, but it's when we carry around all this shame. It's a lot of his sex is shame. So as long yeah. as you're guilt. Yeah. So- um, and you're feeling bad that you're staying home, but if you make those choices, so this is women, yeah, having agency over all of this. Right, right. And there was a study for the women who are into uh, BDSM from the Journal of Sexual Medicine that found that people who are into, you know, quote unquote, kinky sex, particularly those who have a thing for bondage or discipline or sadism or masochism, uh, they're actually more emotionally stable and more secure in the relationships than their non-BDSM counterparts. So I think it really comes down to that communication and that trust with your partner, which 
not surprisingly, is also the cornerstone of an egalitarian relationship. <laughs> exactly. So I think that also comes into play. And when I was having the discussions with my girlfriends this morning who were into BDSM, they were like, I th- but I can only do it with somebody who I really trust and I'm yeah. really comfortable mm-hmm. with. And I think like, personally, I'm not into BDSM, but like, I think for me, even just feeling dominated to some extent, like a lot of that is a sign that I'm super secure and I'm allowed to just like let go with somebody. And I have that trust and I have that communication. It's true. And what what your friend said is that so many women report that their most satisfying sex and relationships come from a place where they feel safe with Mm -hmm. their partner. Mm -hmm. That's why one night stands for a lot of women doesn't work because they they don't have orgasms or they don't have as much pleasure because they don't feel safe. So there's something about that, that when we have that container of safety, we have the freedom to create, co-create with whatever we want with our partners because we feel safe. So that is really important for women. Yeah, I I, I just thought of this. Like, I think, I mean, so much of uh, our sexual experience, like a lot of it is out of fear, right? If you're having sex with somebody for the first time, if you're having a one night stand or something like that, there is a legitimate fear that someone would have of, dying. Like, yeah, like literally of, of, we could die. Right. Yeah, literally we could die right now. And so being able to get rid of that fear and being able to like enjoy sex and yeah. not being like, oh, this person's going to kill me right, right now. Exactly. Is really flipping nice. Right. Exactly. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Okay. So let's, uh, let's flip the script a little bit. Let's talk about men who may like to dominate women in bed. Like can those men who like to dominate women still be allies? Absolutely. Yes. Again, it's the same, it's the same tenets we're talking about that a man who wants to dominate a woman in bed because she has pleasure from it and then therefore he's getting pleasure mm. from it can actually absolutely be an ally. The man who just wants to dominate when she's throwing her hands up and saying, no, he is not an ally to any woman. Right. So I think sex is the kind of thing where you're constantly talking about these things and deciding wh- whose role is what and what, what works for both of you. So he's an ally because he cares about her pleasure and his own. Right. I completely agree with you. And I do think that there's pretty big distinction between um, enjoying dominating a woman because she's getting pleasure out of that and just like enjoying dominating woman because that's what you like. Right. Yeah. I think there's a, I think there's a distinction there. You're Um, absolutely right. And I, and I don't fault men who are turned on by dominating women because I mean, they're brought up in the same culture we are, right. Where it's toxic masculinity and, and seeing, you know, aggressive uh, pornography and, like that's what they're going to find is hot because that's what they're seeing. Exactly. And that's really fair. That's an interesting line. To, Cause I think that I would love that if men listening to this, like, th- th- cause there's a way that you could go into it. Let's say you go in with the toxic masculinity cause that's all mm-hmm. you saw, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that, that you can't, still dominate a woman, but with a higher consciousness around it now, realizing yes. that you can do it, but how is her pleasure paying attention, having using safe words, having consent, rather than just blindly going in and choking every woman you have sex with? Right. So no, yeah. without checking in, is it okay? Yeah. So, no, that I think that's a really- There's a switch to flip. We're not saying you, the men who are just like, it's okay, because that's because my heart goes out to men. Like I have such love, my heart is so open and I have so much love I want to help because I understand they had no- they really didn't know where else to go. If that's all you saw and you're not seeking it out and there's terrible sex education in schools, how would you know any differently? But once they hear this, they're like, oh, I get it. I didn't, because there are some men who don't really get it either. They don't get that like, there's this cyclical thing with sex that when your partner's turned, it's a feedback loop. Yeah. So you turn her on and then you get turned on seeing her turn on. Then she's super turned on because you're aroused. And it's this loop that you might not have until you've had some partners where you're really, mm-hmm. you both feel safe and you both communicate well. So Yeah. I, I think that there is the possibility that with all the violence and the sexual imagery that especially my generation has been fed from like a very young age, um, that there are men out there who may rape or sexually assault without even knowing it. Yeah. You know, know, because because so much of it has been so normalized. Um, And, and 
I thought with this, I found this study that I thought was really interesting and very apropos for the discussion we're having right now is uh, Miss did this study in the 80s. So I think oh, we've Miss evolved. Magazine, yeah. yeah, we've evolved a lot from them. And they did it with the National Institute for Mental Health uh, for 6,100 undergraduates at 32 college campuses across the country. Okay. And they found that 91.3% of men said they like to dominate women. 86.1% said they enjoy the conquest part of sex. Uh, 83.5% said some women look like they're just asking to be raped, which is very disturbing. Uh, 63. So 80s. So (laughs) I remember, I think we've, I think we've evolved a lot. I hope we've evolved. Yes. That whole rape. Okay. Uh, 63.5% said I get excited when a woman struggles over sex and 61.7% said it would be exciting to use force to subdue a woman because that's what we're shown. Right. And I, and further, Researchers at Emory and Auburn universities found that 30% of male college students rated faces of women displaying emotional distress, pain, and fear to be more sexually attractive than the faces showing pleasure, which I think is wild and disturbing and and really hard to yeah. swallow. No pun intended. <laughs> yeah, no, I think so too. But I think it's interesting because if you look at this, Miss Magazine, so, I mean, it was a feminist magazine. Of course, you know, there's going to be. Some, I, but I also I think it's saying. not so different than what we're saying now because then they didn't really have, they didn't have the term BDSM. There was no Fifty Shades of Grey. Mm. And so what they're saying is that that is that men, is that that is still what turns men on. But back then there wasn't enough information. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's kind of saying the same thing that men's that men want to dominate, which is the stats that we're seeing today. Mm-hmm. It just the language is off. The language was the, we didn't have enough sophisticated language to talk about. Um, I don't know, but, but what that men and women might both want this. So something, what was the second thing you read of that point? So there's something, the second point in there was... About the faces displaying emotional distress. Yeah, maybe, because there is a very close, there's a very, women in pain and pleasure look very similar too. Mm-hmm. Like there's mm-hmm. a certain, like when you're screaming pain or pleasure, it's similar. So I think in a way, it's it still could be very erotic and turned on. I think the language in there though might've, I can understand why men read it that way, but I'm not sure it's as bad as it seems. Like I think studies today that have much more politically correct language probably found those same results, but that's the language hmm, in there. Interesting. Or maybe it was the first thing you said. It was, I don't have it in front of me, but it's, it is disturbing, but it still is the same things that, that women, men want to dominate, that men want to, if you see a woman and she's smiling and happy, you might think she's pretty and someone you want to get to know, but a woman who's looking like in pain or pleasure because they're very closely related looks erotic to them. Interesting. Very interesting. I still think that's hugely widely disturbing, but as a sexologist, I'm trying yeah. to see what the language they use in the 80s wouldn't be. Would be was not ex- now. What we know now is yeah. accessible. No, and I, and I think that's fair. I think for that particular study, uh, 60% of those men who's really like got pleasure out of... Um, seeing the, the emotional distress also had committed acts of sexual aggression. So okay, I wonder so, okay, okay. if there's something sexual there, assault I, or aggression. Okay. I got it. So these aggression. were like yeah, sexual I, offenders. I, I, okay. I think, that's different. But I think, but I think you're right. And I think language and verbiage, um, is really important. And I think since the eighties, we've come a long way oh, yeah. in, in talking about, uh, female sexuality and the importance of that and prioritizing, uh, female pleasure. And so I think, you know, kind of going back to what we're talking about, like, I think it's really important to understand, is it the imagery that we think is hot, right? Is it like, or seeing a woman having that pleasure, even if it kind of looks like pain, is that, is that what it's hot? Or is it degrading a woman? Like there's a big distinction. There is a distinction. And I have to say, there also are those men who don't give, who don't care, like who really might have some mental, you know, whatever challenges that they might actually really get off on distressing women and harming women. And, and they don't give a, they don't really care at all if their partner has pleasure or not. Right. Like the guys that we might call assholes or douchebags <laughs> or like, he's such a jerk. He doesn't, you know, I, 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 but I kind of think that for a lot of men, it's a younger, that men go through an evolution mm. that when they're young men, so in college age, mm-hmm. 18, 19, 20, your hormones are raging out of control for men, your testosterone. It's, it's insane levels that will never be that way again, where they can't help but be overtaken by this desire to have sex and put their penis wherever they can. It's really like a condition and so I think that men eventually grow out of that. I, I think hope. you're giving them way too much of an excuse, but okay. No, I'm just saying, but, right. Well, not the sexual assault people, you know, yeah, the guys yeah. who are assaulting women, but I'm saying that men in college, but I, 
I think that they don't know because no one's telling them, hey, buddy. That's why I love Big Mouth on Netflix. If you've seen mm-hmm. it, it's such a yeah. great show. It shows that men are really, they're altered state. Like they can't help but get erections and they're embarrassed by their inappropriate erections in math class. And like this desire, like they are, that's when they are thinking about sex like a hundred times a day. But no one's telling them how to use this. There's no one's saying like there's an appropriate way to display this and not appropriate ways. And so I think that just more education mm-hmm. around this for men and for women so they understand. Like I tell my niece all the time who's in college now, she's like a sophomore and I'm just like, she's talking about guys and why they do things. I'm like, they can't, like they can help it, but they can, in some ways, like it's really a drive that they just, it overtakes their body in a way that we'll never understand as women. Yes. That said, I don't think you need to give into that drive because Hell they can't no. control it. That's why I tell her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I tell her no. I say you do not give into it, right. but just understand why the guy you kissed last night kissed three other girls the next night. Or it doesn't mean he doesn't like you. He's a you. dick. He's a, yeah. I'm sorry. He like is, I'm maybe he has hormones, dick. but he's also an asshole. Honey, I'm telling you <laughs> is that there is a certain thing with college boys, guys in high school that like I'm not I'm not excusing them. I think that someone should teach them yeah. how to go through life when you are a young kid boy and your hormones are raging. Yes. And what's appropriate yes. and what's not. Yes. And that for women to, I was trying to tell her, like, don't, like, if he doesn't want to commit now or he committed, hey, maybe he's a jerk, but it's like, he's, I don't know. There's just a way that men have this impulse and these urges. Yes. And I think, I think likewise, just so as we should teach, I mean, I think it's really important, right? To teach men like how to deal with your sexual urges and like the yes, reality of it. That's what we need versus, to teach. Versus, you know, just whatever you may what see you want. in media and porn. And then, you know, similarly, I think we should teach women who like, probably also have raging hormones at a oh, similar they time. They do Like too. how we can deal with that, right? And like how you can utilize that and manifest that in the way that you, you know, right. like, can get Right, like let's teach us how to work yeah. with what we got raging at that point. Yeah. We both got hormones. Women, it's more of our emotions and things are going on and sexual, actually, yeah. but not at the same time as men. But the other thing is I want to say, so let's say guys are out of college and they maybe yeah. they're in their 20s and 30s. Mm. But they still, and I'm telling you, I've been with these men and they can, men can change in this way, but like they still, that hasn't linked up yet that going down on a woman, let's say, for example, or Mm. giving her pleasure is going to come back to you. It's not something that like you're just doing to pass the time that there's a light bulb that can go off for many men where they realize that it's a minute. We're talking about intimacy, Mm -hmm. like emotional intimacy and connection that they realize, oh, maybe I have been a jerk up until now. I realize that actually giving a woman pleasure is so satisfying on a level that I never understood before because I thought it truly was, I'm going to get in, get out, and I'm going to get what I want. Women like the jackhammer. Women like when someone's, because mm-hmm. no one told them differently. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there's a certain point if they're with a partner, a woman who is in, in control of her own sex life and what she wants, and she says to him, babe, you know what? When you're pounding, I love having sex with you. This is amazing. But what I what what would feel better to me is if it was a little slower, if I had some more foreplay, if we kissed, we made out like we used to. And then you kind of work together and you tell them like there's some guys and women who just need to be taught. Yeah. And then they learn and then they're like, oh, like I've been with so many men. I'm like, no, I require oral sex. Like you can't just jump over foreplay. Like these are all things that need to be learned and they're not learning that in porn. Yes. So I think that women who speak up to men in a way of like, this is what I desire, they want to know. Because again, I don't believe that men, I believe that many men are having sex because that's how they were taught and that's Mm -hmm. how they've always done it until Mm -hmm. they meet a partner who can meet them where they're at and say, that's not working for me. Yes, I'm sure all your other women loved it and were having screaming orgasms, which is what men think. Many men think I am the best lay ever. I am Mm. so great in bed because women are screaming. Women should never fake orgasms for this reason and many others. But that's that's yeah. why we're reinforcing it, right? Right, right. We're saying, yeah, pound away. This wins is going to be over so we can go get dinner. And that's why women fake orgasms. Yes. They want it to be over. We want it to be over yeah. and we want we don't want to disappoint them. Yes. We don't want to disappoint. Women say all the time, I want it to be over. I, I don't want him to feel bad because he's trying really hard. And I don't want him to leave me because so, so there's a, yes. it's all, it's women yes. too. So yeah, the no, more we course. communicate in a really honest way, we can all become lovers. I say that men, great lovers, and for men and women, we are not born, they're made. So we don't, we're not great lovers until mm. we've learned to be great lovers. Yeah. Typically, it takes a really good partner for us to learn. Yeah. No, I think, I think you make a really good point. And I think like part of, 
you know, learning that process is learning how to find pleasure in your partner's yeah. pleasure. Yeah. And that's a learning, that's a learning curve. Like I, my mom is going to kill me for saying <laughs> this online right now, but I like having grown up, you know, obviously a staunch feminist and watching, you know, seeing porn, seeing how sex was portrayed on TV, I thought giving head was like the biggest degradation to women. I thought it was so disrespectful because the ways that I was, the ways that if I was you seeing gave it, head to a man, yeah. it was disrespectful to me. Oh, I, right, I felt like, no, I felt choking, like degraded right. because it was like, Oh, like they're like coming all over her face right. and doing all this like stuff that I thought was degrading. And so I never, I was like never into until I found partners. So I was like, oh, I want to do this because it's not degrading. Exactly. This is a respectful relationship. I want to do this because I know it gives right. you pleasure. But that was like only until very, very recently. recently. Like, like last Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> well, right, honey. So that's what I'm saying. That's the yeah, process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You realize like, God, I love this person. I want to give him pleasure. So it's a switch. That, yeah. that this is, And this only comes from like, that's why I love we're talking about this because mm-hmm. You, you can't know in, in your early, your teens, your early 20s, because you literally have not had as much experience. Yeah. yeah. Maybe you've slept around with a million, a hundred people say, but you still haven't had the experience of healthy relationships right. and yeah. talking, communicating. Yeah. So. And so for, for all of the male feminists who are listening, because I know there's a lot of you, um, I do, I think we're, you know, in the, on the same page that you can like want to spank your partner around and still see her as an equal. Yes, you know, I don't absolutely. think that wanting to dominate a woman precludes you from being a male feminist, but it is about finding that respect. It is about ensuring that that's also pleasurable exactly. for your partner. It's about intention, communication, consent. Yes. Consent is a huge one. Um, but how, like, how do we, because we've talked a lot about these social norms around sex. So how do we just like in internally reconcile our feminism with that. Because a lot of the women who I spoke today, and I, for myself included, like I see these, that head story is a great example, mm-hmm. right? Like I see these social norms where I was like, that's disrespectful t- towards women. I don't want to be involved in that, right? Because I'm a feminist. So how do we then find enjoyment in things that seem conflicting with societal norms? Well, I think that in that it's just a matter of I mean, we think it's because it's, that's a mind thing you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So really it's mm-hmm. flipping your own belief system to say, you know, I'm actually with a partner that I care about their pleasure and I'm going to give them head in a way that feels good to me and good to him. Mm-hmm. So I'm noticing what I'm doing here. I'm using my hands. He like that. Oh no, he started to, he wants me to, okay, deep throat. No, that doesn't feel good to me. So then I let him know that's not right. So like, I think it's a constant uh, push and pull and figuring out what feels good. But I think that when you're in the act with a lover who's consensual and you're yeah. talking about it open, that that, that stuff will, will, will melt away because you're in control. Yeah. So I think it's a matter of deciding that in each sexual experience, you're going to go in being present and not paying attention. Because every time we're with someone is a new opera sexually is a new opportunity to learn. So if you, a lot of us just kind of say, well, I did this before and this is how I'm going to do it again. But every penis wants something different. Every mm-hmm. penis, every vulva, we all want something different. So when you're with a new partner, that's a time to create what you both want. So right. you're going into it. You're like, oh, like you said, like you felt with this guy, like, I really want to give him head because I love him and I care about him and in a way that feels good to you. So mm-hmm. I think and now you probably aren't thinking that blowjobs are for non-feminists or right. whatever. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Job, right? So yeah. You, you flipped it on your own. So I think it's a matter of going in with the intention of finding a space with this person that feels good to both of you, really. Mutual pleasure. Yeah. So I think you reconcile it. Because we're talking about an intellectual choice that has to do with the physical act. So yes. really it's about the physical act feels good because you've intellectually decided that you're not going to do anything you don't want to do, but you're going to focus on being present, paying attention, and authentically communicating what you need. Yeah. No, I think I think that's a really good point. And I think a lot of that for people who may be struggling with this, because I know I definitely did, it comes with age and with experience. Yes, experience and age. Yeah. Absolutely. We cannot, I didn't know, in my 20s, I thought it was only the jackhammer. Like I didn't have orgasms as much. I really didn't know. I, I had no idea. I, I, 
I really didn't. So yeah. that's, you know, one of my impetus for starting Sex with Emily is because I decided I knew that sex could be so much better than I was having. And I wanted to learn how to have great sex so I could help others. I knew along that journey it would. So, yeah. And that wasn't until my 30s, my right. mid 30s. So, yeah. I mean, that's what that was what was echoed with a lot of my friends when I was asking them this, like, yeah, I used to like really struggle with what I liked versus how I felt societally, you know? Yeah. Um, but they said at some point, like, first of all, she, one of my friends said, she's all day. I'm stressed about being a good feminist. And then once I get behind closed doors, I don't want to think about that. Like, I just want to enjoy what I enjoy. And I think that's a really good point. And I think that's almost also being a really great feminist, right? Because feminism is about equality, but it's also about autonomy, yeah. right? And it's about owning your sexuality. And that can mean that you like something that other people don't or something that people yeah. may think is weird or even oppressive, right. you know? If you like it and you're enjoying it and you're taking control of that enjoyment, I think that can be one of the most feminist things that you can Absolutely. do. And I don't really think you need to like rationalize your preferences. Yeah. I think it's important to look at them with a critical eye like we're doing today, yeah. right? Going into where some of these fantasies may have come from. Um, but at the end of the day, like, yes, we do live in a patriarchal society, but if you can find enjoyment and pleasure in something that may fit within that structure, may fit within that system, like, go and get yours, right. honey. Yeah. I think it's a mindset, too, because I don't, you know, spending a lot of time worrying what society is going to think. It's We're talking about, like, a very a private sexual yeah. act that you are—it's only you and your partner there in the bedroom. I don't think it matters—I'm not thinking about society. I'm thinking about what feels good to me. What what, what can we— again, See, I'm thinking about the together. macro. That's why—maybe that's why I'm telling my head. You're I'm in your head. the macro level how no. what I'm doing between my legs is affecting women everywhere. Yeah, and I, I'm not because I know that I—I I mean, I get it. Maybe back in the day, who knows? But now I'm intentionally in every interaction I have, whether it's on the podcast with you, with my amazing team here at work, or with my boyfriend or yeah. my parents. It's like I'm always trying to bring my same self wherever I go and be authentic with that relationship. So yeah. I think my intentions, I believe that I, you know, I am, I don't even doubt that I, I'm not a feminist because I'm doing my best to make, you know, good decisions in every moment and pay attention and yeah. be a good partner, a good friend, a good boss, a good everything. And I, 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 I'm with you. And I think that there is a lot of power and a lot of empowerment in taking something that's maybe supposed to oppress you and reclaiming it and making your own and finding yes. pleasure in it. I think that that's can be really empowering. Um, and I think kind of the, the conclusion is that we really just need to like conversation is key. And I think that, you know, being into whatever you're into is your prerogative yeah. and enjoy it and don't judge it. Um, but I do think as a society, we need to do a better job of eroticizing trust and consent. Yes. And then after that, like you do you, boo. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's my TLDR for today. Thank you so much, Emily. Tell everybody where they can find you, where they can hear you talk okay. all about the sex of things. Okay. Sex with Emily is my podcast. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm also doing a daily show on Sirius XM radio, Monday through Friday, five to 10 Pacific, eight to 10 Eastern people call in with their question. It's on stars 109. Yes. And you, as always, you can find me at Hannah Cranston on Instagram and Twitter and at Hannah Cranston host on Facebook. Please, please, please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. Also, please rate and review this podcast. I'll be giving shout outs and reading some of your comments. So be sure to do that. And just a reminder, it will be coming at you every Wednesday. So buckle up because it's going to be too much to handle. See you next week. Ah!